Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Big things are happening at Collective this fall, and we'd love for you to be a part of them. Join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 5103 Pegasus Court for church that doesn't feel like your typical church. We hope to see you there. Now let's get into Sunday's message. Last week, I skipped right over this, but aren't those pictures amazing? Uh, I'm going to talk more about these in a second, but before I do, we do have a few things that we want to celebrate this morning. The new Collective Kids Space is officially open. I know you can see it from the lobby. Um, if you've got kids, you, you got to go back there. But if you don't have kids, you got to see it from the lobby. It's just, it's so much better than we ever imagined it could be. And the cool thing is we're not even done with it yet. We have a few more ideas that we're going to bring out in the next few months. Um, and I, I don't know if you felt that last Sunday or if you're feeling it um, this Sunday, but opening up this new space comes just in time. Because last week, we actually had a record high attendance at Collective in the history of our church, um, which is pretty crazy. But on top of that, it was a record-destroying Sunday in Collective Kids. We had over 120 kids here last week. There were kids everywhere. And so we had a record number of kids, and now we just shoved them to a bigger space over on the side. Uh, The poor kids team is like, oh, man, we got this great space. I'm like, well, we have 25 more kids for you today. They're going to do great. Um, and and I, wanna, I just want you guys to know, we've been talking a lot about what God's doing in this church. We've been celebrating a lot of things, you know, bringing up this idea of like record attendance, record number of kids. Um, we don't do that because it's all about numbers. Right? We do that because we care about people, right? And, and those numbers represent people and their stories and their faith. And so what we're doing is we're celebrating that more people than ever in this church last Sunday heard that Jesus is for them, Jesus loves them, and he wants what's best for them. And that's why we celebrate the way we celebrate. And I know you feel it, like you're here right now. If you were here last week, you've been feeling it this fall. God's doing something big here. Uh, We don't know exactly what he wants from us, but for whatever reason, he's using this messy church, and he's using us, these messy people, to make an impact that's bigger in Frederick than we ever could have dreamed or imagined. Uh, And it's so exciting right now. And so we're really excited and pumped for this next season to see how God's going to push us and challenge us, how God's going to show up. Uh, And really, we just want to take some time to celebrate how good God is, because the opportunity to open up a new space for kids that looks that good is really incredible. And so we're excited for that today. Now, let's talk about these pictures. I'm sure you're wondering, how the heck did we find these ridiculous photos? Well, there's a website, this exists, called awkwardfamilyphotos.com. And it's just hundreds of weird pictures of families that have actually been submitted. Like, people submit these, and like, you know what, I want the internet to have these forever. And because we're officially in the holiday season, I wanted to share the best Thanksgiving and Christmas photos that I found on the site. Check it out. This is the first one. (laughs) Any of you do this at Thanksgiving? No? Good. Okay, good for you. This is clearly the mom's idea. She's the only one that's, like, actually smiling about this. Uh, She was like, you know what would be great? Dressing up as pilgrims. Uh, Everyone else is faking it. Here's the next one. This is probably my favorite Thanksgiving picture on the site. (laughs) Uh, The caption under the photo on the website said this was a three-year-old who created it, and it just makes me like it even more. Like, this kid already gets it. Like, you know what? (laughs) This is too hard. Let's jump to a Christmas picture. Yeah, y'all, it took you a little bit to find the clown, didn't you? Some of you still haven't found it yet. There's a clown. (laughs) Um, uh, 
some of you are afraid of, of clowns, and this is the reason why. Like, stuff like this existed. And, and, and you know, this picture is probably from, like, maybe the 90s, like, late 90s. You can just imagine, like, they took this picture, they got it developed, and then eventually they get home, they look at this. And I'm wondering if the kids even knew the clown was there. This is why they don't go near sewers or to birthday parties anymore. It's pictures <laughs> like this. All right, next one. <laughs> Listen, I know, I know, I, we're pushing it. This might not be appropriate for church. I don't really know. Um, I had to put this in here because I don't know why, but this reminds me so much of my own childhood. Like, I can guarantee that if I asked my mom right now to find a shirtless picture of my dad drinking a beer on Christmas morning, it exists. Like, it is somewhere. Also, let's be honest, some of you were that dad. Still that dad, maybe? All right, last one. <laughs> All right. So I feel like this is how we really feel during the holidays, right? This kid just decided not to hide it anymore because between things like finances and short days, even when we gain an hour of sleep, or things like cold weather, even though it's 80 degrees outside, the Mariah Carey on repeat, we are told, right? We're told that this is the most wonderful time of the year, but then why do we feel so sad, Right? Why do we feel like this? We're like, it's supposed to be joyful, but we're weeping on the inside. Why do we feel so frustrated? Why do we feel so stressed? Well, one of the reasons that the holidays feel this way is because of family drama. And so last week, we kicked off this series called My Dysfunctional Family, and we talked about the truth that all families have dysfunction. Right? No families are exempt from that. If you have a dysfunctional family, uh, no offense, you're not special. Like, we all have dysfunctional families. And we also talked about the truth that we cannot change our families, but the thing we can change is how we deal with them. Right? We want to change our families. We try to aggressively and maybe sometimes passive aggressively change our families, but it doesn't work because we cannot change our families. The only thing we can change is how we deal with them. And so last week, we talked kind of the big umbrella of family and how having healthy boundaries this holiday season will help you thrive, right? So you got to create these boundaries uh, that protect you, that protect what you value, that protect your time. And today, what we're going to do is we're actually going to zoom in a ton, and we're going to talk just about parents. More specifically, we're going to talk about how do we honor our parents when there is dysfunction, right? Because if you have parents, chances are there is dysfunction, and let me just say this really quickly, um, because I know that not every single person in this room is in the same place in their life. Right? Some of you have parents who have passed away. Right? And so today is going to be tough as we talk about this. You're going to have to really wrestle with what we talk about today. Some of you have adult children. Right? Some of you have adult children who have children. Some of you have parents like I do, and then I also have kids. Some of you are just teenagers. Right? And so your relationship is just between you and your parents. And so here's what I want you to do today. Because you can look at what we're talking about from a ton of different angles, depending on your family dynamics. But I want you to focus on and think through the angle that has the most dysfunction, right? Think through the perspective that has the most dysfunction in your life when it comes to your parents or when it comes to you if you, if you have kids. Does that make sense? So you got to kind of filter this for yourself. And for some of us, this will honestly be one of those sermons that we listen to through one perspective, and then maybe this week we check it out again to listen from the other perspective, right? Listening to it as somebody who has parents, but then listening to it as somebody who has kids. And I think that would be a great idea. And so let's jump into this by starting to talk about this word honor. It's not a word that we talk about a lot. The word honor means to treat as uncommon. To honor something or someone means to treat them as uncommon. Think about gold jewelry, 
If you have a gold necklace, you don't just throw it in a junk drawer where you keep your extra pens and your batteries and tape. You keep it in a special place, in a jewelry box or a safe because it's valuable to you. You keep it somewhere out of the way because it's not common and it's special. Did any of you collect baseball cards growing up? Okay. So I easily owned, I don't know, 5,000 plus baseball cards as a kid. Like I had boxes and boxes and boxes of them. And when I got married, my mom did what moms do, and she handed me all my stuff from her house and said, this is your problem now. And one of the things she gave me were these giant tubs full of baseball cards. And at the time, I was an intern at a church in Ohio. I was fundraising my own salary. I was doing a really bad job at that. Uh, my wife was working at Starbucks. Like we had no money. We were super poor. And so I got these boxes of cards, and I thought, cha-ching, right? 5,000 cards has to equal $5,000, right? Like maybe even more. And so I began to dig through the best cards to look up their value online. And we're talking Cal Ripken Jr., Nolan Ryan, Mark McGuire, Bo Jackson, like some of the all-time greats, cards that I held onto for a really long time. But when looking up the cards, I found out that they were worth about five cents, right? (laughs) Maybe 10 cents. Most of them actually had no value. So essentially, I had maybe 150 pounds of cardboard with people's faces on it. It was worth nothing. And here's why. In the 90s, baseball cards were so popular that they overproduced them. They printed hundreds to thousands of each card. And so there's this iconic card. It's Michael Jordan. He's playing baseball with the White Sox. I actually still own this card. But they printed thousands of them, so it doesn't have any worth. It is so common that the value is gone. Same is true for things like Beanie Babies. You collect Beanie Babies, they're worth nothing, right? You've been holding on to them for a long time. You're promising yourself one day. It's not going to happen. Things like Barbies. Barbies are worth nothing, right? Maybe some joy and some nostalgia. Uh, Any of you remember Pogs, right? Like, we love Pogs. They're not worth anything. They're worth less than baseball cards. Also, if you're in college or high school or younger and you don't know what Pogs are, you should Google this later. Um, We didn't have the internet, so we had to do other things with our time, and this is one of the games... (laughs) that we played. But do you, do you see where I'm going with this? Things that are common aren't as valuable, and so we don't treat them with honor. Do you know where my baseball cards are right now? Neither do I. I have no clue. <laughs> but things that are rare and unique and special are uncommon, and so we treat them as such, right? We treat them with honor. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue reading in the book of Ephesians that we started to read last week. And we're going to learn three things that Paul teaches this church that is just like ours about honor. And then we're going to talk about what do we do with what we just learned. And just like last week, I'm going to focus all about family. uh, But these things are going to be true for any relationship that you have. And so as you filter your relationships, especially the ones that you value, this is true for those as well. And so let's read. We're going to start by reading Ephesians 6, 1. It says this, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Now, I can already see that some of you are tensing up, and I get that. And so let's read this again. Right? Paul says, Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. And so let's be very clear. Paul is not saying that we should obey our parents because they are our parents. He isn't actually even saying that we obey our parents because they deserve to be obeyed. It's not saying that you honor them because they deserve honor. Paul isn't even saying that we obey our parents because they belong to the Lord. He's saying that we should obey our parents because we, we belong to the Lord. Ultimately, honoring our parents has nothing to do 
with our parents. And so here's the first thing about honor to write down today. Honor is based on my character and not someone else's conduct. Honor is based on my character and not someone else's conduct. Honor is about me. It's about my faith. It's about my relationship with Jesus. It's about me doing the right thing. It's not about them. And the reason we choose honor is because the best example of somebody being treated as uncommon was when Jesus gave up his life for ours. We are messed up, sinful people. We choose our own way over God's all the time. And because of that, we deserve punishment. Paul says in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. And so that's what we deserve for all eternity, to be separated from God forever. That's what we deserve. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't treat us the way we deserve. He doesn't treat us as common. He treats us as uncommon. He sees us as valuable. And he showed this by giving up his own life on a cross to pay the price for our sin. That's what Jesus did for us. And because we experience that honor, because we belong to him, because we belong to that honor, this is the honor that we give. Now, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, Paul is giving you an out. What he's saying is that this is, there's a loophole here, right? And so if you are looking for one, that is the loophole. Paul makes it very clear that he is just talking to people who belong to the Lord. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, you are still seen by God as uncommon. You are still seen by God as valuable. That will never change. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do. Jesus still gave up his life for you. But God doesn't force himself on anyone, so it's your choice whether or not to accept that. It's your choice whether or not to put your faith in him, to get baptized, to to follow and trust him. And so really, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that's what you have to wrestle with today. Is the honor that God showed you when he sent his son to live and die in your place, is that enough for you to trust him and follow him? And when you are ready for that, and if you are in that place, then you begin to wrestle with what does it look like to show honor to my parents. But if you're not a follower of Jesus today, you have an out. You don't have to listen to anything we say today. This is kind of like us pulling back the curtain so you can see what does it mean to follow Jesus in light of our relationship with our parents. And so Paul says, we should obey our parents because we belong to the Lord. He continues in verse two, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, when Paul says this is the first commandment with a promise, he's referring to the 10 commandments in the Old Testament of the Bible. In Exodus 20, 12, it says this, honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. For context, here are a few of the other commandments. Do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not lie about your neighbor. And so this one is clearly different. It's the only one in the 10 commandments that has a promise tied to it. And so Paul continues, if you you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will live and you will have a long life on earth. And listen, this is really important. Paul is not saying that this is some sort of math formula. Paul is not saying that if you honor your father and mother, things will be perfect. That if you honor your father and mother, you'll live until you're 100, you'll be rich, you'll be healthy, that even you'll have a great relationship with your parents. He's not even promising that. And the flip side is true as well. He's not saying that if you've had a hard life, He's not saying if you're sick or if you're poor or if you're struggling, it's obviously because you dishonored your mother and your father and it's all your fault. That's not what he's saying. It's it's deeper than that. And so here's the second thing about honor that Paul wants us to know. When it comes to honor, we reap what we sow. Paul is teaching us that we harvest 
what we plant. If we sow dishonor, we will reap dishonor. And so he's teaching us that honor brings a reward, that honoring our father and mother leads to a lifestyle of honor that will positively impact all of our relationships, right? And if you are a parent, that's even more so true. If you honor your father and your mother, you will see the overflow of those good things as you raise kids. And here's the reason why I think uh, this is especially true, that when it comes to honor, we reap what we sow. I think this is very true because our parents are probably the hardest people to honor, but they really are. Honoring our parents is the hardest type of honor because the impact they've had on us, both good and bad. Honoring our parents is the hardest type of honor because we saw them 365 days for 18 years, right? Talk about common. You don't see anyone more than that. Honoring our parents is the hardest type of honor because we think we know best, right? And sometimes we do, and they don't care. Honoring our parents is the hardest type of honor because of the expectations we had for them or they had for us that weren't met. So Paul teaches us that honor starts with our parents, and when it comes to honor, we reap what we sow, right? Good things happen when we sow honor. And then Paul finishes this part by saying this in verse 4. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And so this isn't just about kids and what they need to do. It's about parents as well. And so here's the third thing about honor to write down today. Honor starts at the top. Honor is not a do as I say, not as I do thing. Honor is a culture, and it starts at the top. And so parents, if you are struggling to get your kids to obey and honor you, it's probably because you aren't treating them as uncommon. Honor starts at the top. And so honor is based on my character and not someone else's conduct. When it comes to honor, we reap what we sow, and honor starts at the top. But here's the thing. Even though Paul tells us, if we don't give honor, we don't get honor, and even though he tells parents not to provoke their children, to raise them in a right and godly way, this doesn't always happen, right? And we know that. In fact, most of our family drama is because of our parents. Whether they did their best or tried to do their best or didn't try to do their best, chances are you feel some tension when it comes to your parents. And so here's the real question that we have to wrestle with today. How do we honor our parents when our relationship is dysfunctional? Right? When our parents have hurt us, when they have unintentionally created wounds, when they've created insecurities, when we have dependency issues on them and they have dependency issues on us, what do we do? How do we honor our parents when our relationship is dysfunctional? Well, let's start with what not to do because it's very possible to take this to an unhealthy place, right? And some of you grew up in a family that forced honor and forced obedience in a way that you are now unhealthy because of that. You've got unhealthy boundary issues, you have unhealthy expectations, um, you have codependency issues with your parents. So if we do this wrong, even though we're honoring our parents, it will lead to more pain and frustration and brokenness in our lives. So let's start with what not to do. One article I read about this topic said this, honoring our parents doesn't mean to go back groveling and seeking their approval over and over again. As children become adults, we need a break from, the needing, from needing our parents' approval. If you are an adult and you are still held captive by the approval of your parents, do you know whose fault that is? Yours. That is your fault for not stepping out of that. 
It also said this, honoring our parents doesn't mean continuing to make ourselves vulnerable to their hurtful behavior. It doesn't mean that because they're your parents, they get to do whatever they want and we just have to get over it. It doesn't mean your parents get to walk all over you. And the last thing is honoring our parents doesn't mean ignoring or denying the past, right? This isn't a let's just pretend like that thing never happened, right? It happened and we have to deal with it. And so that's what not to do when it comes to honoring our parents. But here's what we can do. There's gonna be two things to take away today. The first way we can honor our parents when there's dysfunction is to choose to grow. If we want to honor our parents, we need to choose to grow. We need to choose to heal. You guys thought this was all about them, didn't you? It's not gonna be that way, I'm sorry. Right, remember, you can't change your family, but you can change how you deal with them. And one of the best days you deal with, your best ways you deal with your parental problems is you choose to grow and heal. It's choosing to not stay stuck in the past or in your pain, or in your disappointments. It's to choose to put in the hard work to grow so that those things no longer frustrate you, impact you, or dictate who you are, right? And I don't know your parents, and so this might not actually be true for them, but I think at some point when they were raising you, your parents wanted what was best for you, right? I think that is true for almost every parent. Now, this doesn't mean they were good parents. This doesn't mean they created the right circumstances for you. This doesn't mean they did a good job raising you. This doesn't mean that their hurtful words don't still sit in your soul and dictate how you approach yourself and your relationships and your failures. But I think that almost every single parent would say, I wanted what was best for my children. I didn't know how to give it to them, but that's at least what I wanted. We'll talk about my mom for a second. You all heard her story a few weeks ago. Um, In case you missed it, this Thursday, we actually uh, dropped the extended cut of the story that we shared in the Your Story Matters series on our podcast. Every Thursday for the next year, there's going to be a new story. And the first four are going to be the long versions of what you guys saw uh, um, during those sermons. And so you should check it out. It's on all of our podcasts. But if you remember, in the middle of her story, when talking about the affair and talking about the impending end of her marriage and how she was handling it, she said, I was just trying not to screw up my kids more than I already had. And then she also said, I was physically present, but I was not emotionally present, right? And I know that my mom did her best. I have no doubt that my mom always wanted what was best for me. That doesn't mean she always knew how to do it, right? It doesn't mean she asked for the life that she got and then knew how to navigate children and marriage through that. I know she loves me and wants what's best for me, but I'd be lying if I said that I don't have wounds from that season of my life. Both of these things can be true. Your parents can love you and want what's best for you, and you can still have wounds from your childhood. And so one of the ways that I can treat my mom as uncommon is not to constantly hold that against her and to grow through my pain. It's to work through those wounds. And yes, that sucks for me because that means I have to do the work, but I can only change myself. So that is a choice that I have to make. And the thing is, you probably need to do the same thing. Some of you have family drama because you are waiting for your parents to change, for them to sit you down and say, I'm sorry, for them to realize that what they are doing is annoying or hurtful or frustrating, for them to be more consistent, for them to realize the error of their ways. And if you were being honest with yourself, you would realize that you are sitting and you're waiting for them to change 
And this is one of the reasons why you resent the holidays, because you know nothing's going to be different. So instead of waiting for them to change, we need to change. Right? They might not ever change. Right? They might come, somehow become worse. All you can do is control how you deal with them, and the best way to deal with them is to grow and be the healthiest version of yourself possible. Men, I want to talk just to you for a second. Let me ask you, what is the deepest wound you feel, and who is it from? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's probably from your father. Am I right? When he walked out and said with his actions that you aren't worth sticking around for, when he called you a wimp because that kid beat you up on your walk home, when he loved his job more than he loved spending time with you, when he didn't show up when it mattered the most, when he didn't share that he was proud of you when you failed and you needed more than anything to hear those words. That's probably where it came from. Now, I will only speak for myself on this one, but I imagine it's true for you as well. I know my dad loves me and I know that he's always loved me, but there are wounds I feel every day that come from him. And these wounds impact my relationship with him. They impact my marriage, my kids, my work, everything. Last June, I probably hit the lowest point in my spiritual, mental, and emotional health because a lot of those wounds were unhealed. I just kind of ignored them, tried to work around them. Honestly, I thought having kids would help me heal through them, which if you have kids, you know, that is a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. And it wasn't anything that my father did, like last June. My dad didn't do anything to me last summer. It was actually because other people were trying to hurt me, and they just so happened to hit on that all too familiar pain point from the wounds I carried from my teenage years. And I fell apart. And so what I did is I went away uh, for a weekend to a men's retreat called Crucible. And this isn't a typical men's retreat. Uh, if it was, I wouldn't have gone. Like, I hate church men's retreats. I think they're so lame. Like, there's just so much hugging and, like, not actually talking about real things. Like, it's, they're terrible. Uh, and so I was skeptical about it, but a friend of mine said, this is why we don't do men's retreats. People have asked, like, because they suck, okay? <laughs> you know, if we ever do a men's retreat at Collective, it's because it's going to be incredible and we're going to tear things up. But <laughs> churches don't do that because gentlemen have to be nice. And so this wasn't one of those retreats. And so, so I went... Um, and this retreat forced me to grow. Right? It forced me to deal with my wounds, specifically the wounds of my father. And I didn't come back perfect. There's still a lot I'm working through. But I did come back better. And it has, a, it had, it has had a positive impact on my relationship with both my parents and my kids. And so here's the thing, men. If you truly want to grow and heal, you need to take a step. You need to do something about it. And I would encourage you to go on one of these retreats. There's actually one coming up in two weeks in Bergton, Virginia. If you want more information about that weekend, you know you have the wounds. If you want more information about that weekend, come talk to me in the lobby. Women, there's one for you coming up in the spring. It's called Liminal. And you guys are going to hear me talking more about this because uh, we believe so much in what these retreats are doing. They're doing things way better than we could do them here at Collective. And we want to help people continue to grow and heal. And so when it comes to honoring our parents, the first way that we honor our parents is we choose to grow. We choose to let go of the bitterness and anger. We choose to forgive them for how we feel like they fell short, intentionally or unintentionally. We show them 
that they are real people, that they matter to us, that they're not just people who failed us. We honor them by moving forward and moving on. Ultimately, we honor them by becoming the person they wished and dreamed we would become, with or without them. And so we choose to grow. Here's the second thing that we can do. We can choose to have the hard conversation. I know, I know. This one's a hard one today, I'm sorry. Um, The one thing we don't want to do uh, is sit down with our parents and talk to them about the way that we feel. Right? The one thing that we don't want to do is sit down and talk to them about how we've been wounded, how we're seeing that play out in our lives. We don't want to sit down with them and tell them what they do right now that pushes on those wounds. But think about it. When we have tension with people that we aren't close to, when we have frustrations with people we don't love, we don't have the hard conversation. We unfriend them on Facebook. We stop spending time with them. We let it slide. We ignore it and we move on. We don't give them the time of day. And that's because those people are not valuable to us. But if we value someone, we have the hard conversation that we need to have with them. And this is really important. The reason why this is the second takeaway today is because you can't have the hard conversation with your parents until you have grown and healed. Some of you tried to do that without any sort of growth, without any sort of healing, and that didn't go well, did it? Because you spoke from a place of pain, and what you did is you brought more pain into that relationship, and now it's becoming a cycle. So you have to heal and grow before you have the hard conversation. Over the past few years, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's been multiple stories on news outlets, Yahoo, all that stuff, about these scathing obituaries that are written by the kids of parents who have passed away. And I read one a few years ago, and the last line said, the world is a better place without her. And I don't know this woman. She might have been the worst mom ever, but I can't imagine that's how the kids wanted this thing to end, right? I can't imagine that that was a healthy way to conclude their relationship with her. And I'm not saying that their relationship could have ever been healed, but just imagine if they took the time to grow and heal and had the hard conversations that they needed to have. And again, I'm not saying that would make everything better. In fact, some of you will have hard conversations with your parents. It's not gonna heal anything, but you will feel better, right? What I'm saying though with this family is if they chose honor, Right? If they chose growth, even if it didn't work out, they would have felt a lot less pain and a lot more peace. And who knows? Right? Maybe she would have chosen to change for the, for the better. And so some of you need to choose to have the hard conversation with your parents so you can feel free from the weight that you've been carrying for years. Some of you need to choose to have the hard conversation with your parents because they genuinely don't know why you're so frustrated with them. Some of you need to have the hard conversation with your parents because they deserve a chance to hear you out and maybe try to change. And some of you need to have the hard conversation with your parents to let them know what your boundaries are so you can have a better holiday season. Or really simply just to let them know that you value them and you want to have some peace and some restoration in your relationship. You have to have the hard conversation Now, here's the last thing I want to share about honor today. Paul says this in Romans 12, verse 10. He says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So the question is, what do you need to do to get to this point with your parents? 
right? What do you need to do to get to this point with your parents? Even if they don't show you honor in return, even if they refuse to change, even if they're unwilling to listen, what do you need to do to get to this point with your parents? Because when we choose honor, when we choose genuine affection, when we take delight in those things, even though those relationships might not be perfect or even get better, it changes everything. And really it'll change how you view your holidays and your family and how you spend time with your parents. Let's pray. God, I think it's safe to say that um, all of us have some tension when it comes to our parents. Even people who had the best parents still have some wounds. And most of the time, because they're our parents, because they're kind of above us, God, what we tend to do is we tend to sweep it under the rug. Um, We tend to ignore it. Uh, We pretend to resent it. God, we we resent them. And God, every time we sit down at the holidays, every time we exchange gifts, every time we have a meal, those tensions flare up and we feel these things. And God, we don't want that. God, ultimately what we want to have is some sort of peace when it comes to our relationship with our parents or as parents, we want some sort of peace when it comes to our relationship with our kids. And so God, I pray as we wrestle with this, really as we sit down in front of this uh, just in a few weeks, God, I pray that we choose honor. God, I pray that we choose to treat people as uncommon, uh, as valuable, as precious, as people that are dearly loved by you. God, ultimately, I pray that we choose to give honor because it's what we've received when we've been at our worst by you. And so God, give us the courage to do that. Um, Give us the time this week to really process and really work through uh, what does it look like to grow? What does it look like to have a hard conversation? Um, God, for for those who are here whose parents aren't around, um, God, give them the wisdom and insight to grow and heal when they're not able to have that conversation because they know uh, the change isn't coming, but they've got to work extra hard to get through it. Um, And God, ultimately, we just pray as people um, that we can take delight in honoring others. God, that we can love people with genuine affection uh, in such a way um, that you have loved us. God, we thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.